0: Today on It's Time, the children of Israel saw the cloud of fire, the cloud, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud of smoke by day, and in the middle of all their blessing, they failed to see God. Calling, it's time. It's time.
1: It's time. Welcome to It's Time. The daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going to the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike.
0: Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 17. Last week, we found that Jesus was the bread of life. He was the bread that came down from heaven. And it's a picture type of how God supplied what the children of Israel needed every day. And we need Jesus every day as well. Well, today we're going to see that Jesus is also the water. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that uh, we find these picture types that Jesus said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. And so really looking at the Old Testament reveals to us who God is, who we are, our dependency upon him. And so let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would give us wisdom and insight. Lord, that you would inspire these words, that this wouldn't just be ink on paper, but God, that it becomes alive in our hearts. And Lord, that you would cause it to become part of us And we would not forget these things. So now anoint these words by your Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, Very quickly, um, youth groups doing some neat things. Want to encourage uh, anybody, you know, that uh, in the high school era age group go there. They study the Bible. They have different games. They do different things on Sunday morning. And then throughout the week, they want to start doing things. And so I just want to encourage everybody that's got that, um, that, uh, teen world. Uh, there's a place for them. I think you'll enjoy that. Well, as we look at this in Exodus 17, the children of Israel have just come out of slavery over 400 years serving the Egyptians Now they are divinely protected by God. The pillar of fire by night, the cloud of smoke by day, sheltering them for the hot desert heat, giving them warmth at night in the desert. And they see the daily manifestation of God in their lives. Now, friends, it's not only the children of Israel that saw this, but we remember Pharaoh's army saw it too. And that's what prevented the armies of Egypt from chasing Israel until God had made sure that Israel was all the way through the Red Sea. The cloud was lifted. Pharaoh's army went on through the Red Sea. And then that's when Moses held his staff out over the water and over the dry land and the water came and covered the Egyptian army. It's funny how people fail to interpret the data at hand. I'm always amazed by this. Here you find some divine things going on. The world sees it, but the world can't interpret it. I think this is a little bit what's going on right now in our world today. I think everybody realizes there's a paradigm change coming to the United States of America. Some people believe it will be within the next three years. America will not exist as you know it. I don't think that's hard to understand. Again, when you look at the amount of debt we're in, When you look at some of the decisions that we see are being made, the forced things that are being placed upon the American people that really aren't what our Constitution guaranteed us, And so now we're kind of in a different world. Well, the Bible tells us that there is a one world order that's coming. And the Bible tells us also it's going to be manned by a person called the Antichrist. I believe the world's being set up for this. I think the world sees elements of it, but they don't understand what's going on. But you as a Christian, knowing God's word, you're able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. You can see the pillar of fire. You can see the pillar of smoke. You understand these things. The world sees the effect of the smoke. They see the effect of the fire, but they don't know what's going on. Jesus said, henceforth, I'll no longer call you servants, but friends, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. It's God's good pleasure to let you know what he's about to do. Now, the reason why that is, is because God operates in the future as much as he does right now or in the past. That's why the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places with him, that we're predestined, not in that God predestined you and me. It's that God knows who makes it and ultimately who doesn't. Just because God knows the decisions that I will make in my life doesn't mean that I did not have the freedom to make those decisions. But God does not learn. God knows all things. I'm so glad. That tells me this, that when I accepted Christ as my Savior, and all the dumb things I would do in my life, even before I was a Christian or during a Christian, God did not say, oh, no, you, you kind of mess up too much. You're not part of my team. No, God even chose me part of his team, you part of his team, knowing we would drop the ball in the end zone in the last few seconds of the game. He still says, you're one of my. I like that. You look at all the things going on, and you look how we're so geared, if you will, towards the sports era. And I oftentimes think about this, that, you know, you watch the reruns of the game in the news during the sports you know, the game's already over, but they show you the last few seconds of the game, and the guy throws the ball and, and he strikes him out in the, the very ninth inning and the score is seven to eight. And are they gonna come back? I watched the game last night. Are they gonna come back or not? And and, and, it, and it isn't that that oh, that evil cameraman, if he hadn't videotaped it, maybe, maybe they could have won. Is it the cameraman's fault that they didn't, the Mets didn't win last night? No. All he was doing is recording what was going on. God already knows and holds the videotape on all of our lives. Isn't that important to know that? And God still chose you and me to be on his team. Wow. You know, friends, you stop to think about that for a minute. Remember back in school, I don't know how many people ever had this terrible, unfortunate thing happening, but during PE, you know, there was always the, the jock that could do everything good. And he was the team captain. And then you had the other guy, and he was the other team captain. And then you would line up, and then the team captains would, all will take Tom. Well, I'll take Bill. Well, then I'll take Sam. Well, I'll take You know, and they would do this all the way down until there was like two of you standing there that no one wanted. No, you take him. No, you take him. No, you take him. We watched him play before. No, you take him. And you kind of end up getting sloughed off on one of these team things. And, you know, everybody there is kind of looking at you like, you don't throw the ball to him. He can't catch it. And and I find that a lot of time is the way that it is. And God, knowing that we won't always catch it still, loves us enough to say, I want you part of my team. I like that about God. God loves losers and he loves winners. He loves those that are successful and he loves those that have failed. And I have found that sometimes in my failures cause me to be more dependent upon him than really upon those things that I think I can do well. And so as we come into the story today, we find the congregation of Israel murmuring again. And they're murmuring in the valley This place of Zen, which actually translated in our Bibles, sin. I think there was a lot of sinning going on there. That's probably why they called it that. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rathalem, but there was no water for the people to drink. By the way, that is a real problem. You run out of water, you run out of life. Jesus told us that um, out of your belly shall come rivers of living water. You know, if the water dries up in your spiritual experience, it ain't very long before you don't do much for God anymore. We have to go back to the source where the water comes from. Therefore, the people uh, contended with Moses saying, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Why would he say this? I mean, they're out of water. You got to remember, everything is done with the pillar cloud and the fire by night. It was obvious that they could see the hand of God hourly in their life. But yet when it came to their personal needs, their faith would fail. Sound like us a little bit? Think of God's faithfulness to you over the years. If you're a Christian here today. Now, if you're not a Christian, my heart goes out to you. Because there's really no one taking care of you. Only the advice of your friends. The words in the song on popular radio. You really don't have anybody giving and putting into your life the things you need. But if you're a Christian, God puts into your life. And gives us and protects us. We see those protections in our life, but yet we're faced sometimes with day-to-day challenges. And we go, where are you, God? And God says, I'm right here where I've always been. Haven't you seen my hand of provision through your life? Yeah. Why do you think I would leave you right now? I like that about God. He says, why do you contend with me? And why do you tempt the Lord? The people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said, why is it that you brought us up out of the land of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses said, I really don't like any of you. I'm leaving. Now, that ain't what it says. I'm sure that's probably what he felt like doing. You know, isn't that the way it is sometimes? We, we go through things and we just go, God, I'm out of here. I've had enough. This has not been fun ride. Moses cried out to the Lord. He took his problem to God. And if that's one thing you'll get from today's message, when you have a problem, take it to God. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. Our friends can't fix it. It doesn't mean our friends don't love us, that our spouses don't love us but it said sometimes life is bigger than they are, bigger than we are, and we have to go to God. You're out of water. What is the lack maybe you have in your life today? Think about it for a minute. Is it lack for friends? Is it a lack for a spouse? Is, is it a lack for, for time? What, what might be your lack today? And I really believe that, again, wisdom would tell us in the Bible, in Christ, take our problems to the Lord and leave them there. So important. Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go before the people, take some of your elders of Israel, Take in your hand your rod which you use and struck the river and go. It's interesting that God directed him to pick up something that once represented the power of God in his life. I think that's interesting. Why is that? Is it an idol? No, but I think it can be a remembrance of what God did for us. He said, take that very rod that you use to touch the water. The water's parted. You walk through on dry ground. You take that with you in your hand. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock. Water may come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. It's noteworthy here. He did what God told him to do and God honored it. By the way, God honors obedience. In fact, the Bible says to obey is greater than to sacrifice. Well, God, look what I've abstained from. Look what, no, to obey is greater than sacrifice. He did what God said. He used the rod that parted the water. He hit the rock and water comes out. Wow. Wow. One place, he used the water, he used the rod to make the water go away. This place, he used the rod to bring water to them. It's funny how God works. God has always ways of doing things that we don't understand. So he called the name of the place, Mezrah, or Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says that rock was Christ. The law is what smote Christ. Christ is the rock. The law smote Christ. But out of that came rivers of living water. We need that. We need that. And you know, the Bible tells us water is what brings life. That's what you need in your life. You know, today, if you're dry, your heart's dried out and looking like an old chunk of leather in a 57 Chevy that's set out in the sun for 35 years. That's what your heart feels like. Water, oil is what you need. And the Bible talks about rubbing in the water, the oil into your life to make it soft and supple again. Once again, you can begin to be flexible and see what God is doing. Now he says here, he smote the rock. You see, that rock is Christ. He only needed to be smote once, crucified for us once. Now, we remember the children of Israel, we'll get into this up a few more chapters. They run out of water again in the wilderness. God said, speak to the rock, Moses. Water will come out. And instead, Moses became angry. He hit the rock the second time. Water came out. But as Moses is walking away, God goes, Moses, come here. What? I told you to speak to the rock. And instead you smote the rock. And because you did that, you're not going to go into the promised land. Pretty severe for not doing what God said to do. That's why, because now when we need water from Christ, we don't need to continue to re-crucify him over and over again. We simply speak to Christ and God gives us what we need. God is that supplier of everything we need. And without water in your life, without that belly of river of living water that comes out of you, by the way, not only does it nourish you, but it nourishes those around you. Isn't that great to know that you can be a source of refreshing for a lost, dried up, dying world. You see, here's what's so amazing. The children of Israel saw the cloud of fire, the cloud, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud of smoke by day. And in the middle of all their blessing, they fail to see God. Isn't that happened to us sometimes where we're all, we're, we're, we're surrounded with God's blessing. We, we have so many things that we need to be thankful for, but instead we can find something to complain about. I know I'm this way. And so I have to be reminded and I have to take inventory of my life of God's blessing. And that's why the Bible says how important it is to have a heart of thanksgiving. This is why David in the Psalms always goes back and reminds us to be thankful. What kept the children of Israel from going into the promised land for 40 years was being unthankful because again, they didn't count what God was doing to them. Now, we look at this, and we realize that oftentimes we don't see the blessing of God in our life. I think people of the world see oftentimes the blessing of God in your life, and they are extremely jealous of you. Why aren't you spazzed out like all of us are over the same exact news broadcast or the same exact event that's happening where we have a different source For our support Same problem But a different solution To that problem Verse 8 This is an interesting And first literal battle The children of Israel Fought on their way to the promised land It was brought on by a fellow Named Amalek Now Amalek Came and fought with Israel In Raphael Now, again, this is a grandson of Esau. Esau is a type of the flesh. And so is uh, Amalek. Type of the flesh. In fact, as we get down to the very bottom of this chapter, you're going to find something out amazing. And it says that God was going to contend with Amalek for generations. And that's kind of the way it is with us. Uh, Amalek is a type of the flesh. And we have to battle with it. And if we don't battle with it, it'll have long-term repercussions. There's a lot of enemies of Israel all the way through the Bible that were descendants of Amalek. We think about some of them. One of them was where, remember, God spoke to Saul and said, Go utterly wipe out the Amalekites. Samuel told him, this is what you're to do. And we remember Saul left, he comes back. And um, the command was to wipe out everything. He comes back. says Samuel, I did what God told me to do. And Samuel said, well, what's this bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? And find out that he brought Amalek, the king of the Amalekites, back alive. And he goes, you didn't do anything you were supposed to do. And in fact, by the way, God rejected him from being king over this. Later on, we read about... We read about um Mordecai and uh the whole um, book of Esther, and how how Haman was guess what? An Amalekite, sworn enemy of Israel. And yet what's really weird, they were cousins. You don't think you have a dysfunctional family sometimes? Well, here's a good illustration where these are actually. Cousins of each other Hating one another So Moses said to Joshua Choose some men Go out Fight with, Amal- with, with Amalek Tomorrow I will stand On the top of the hill With the rod of God in my hand So Joshua did And as Moses said to him Fought with with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Her went up to the top of the hill so so uh, Amalek is down on the bottom fighting with Joshua Moses, Aaron and uh, Her go up on the top of the hill and as long as Moses had his hands up in the air with his rod Joshua would win but when he'd get tired and lowers his arm down, all of a sudden he saw the battle shift and Amalek began to win against the children of Israel. And so Aaron would get on one side and hold one arm up. her would get on the other side and lift his arm up. Now, Joshua, we know who that is. In fact, Joshua was the one that replaced down below Joshua fighting the battle. Aaron, his brother, holding up one arm. Her holding the other. Now, what's really weird, we know who Aaron is. But we don't know who her is. Now, some people say, is her a she? No, her's a he. But here's what's weird. Sometimes God uses people you know. And sometimes God uses people you don't know. According to some Hebrew tradition, uh, her could have been... Miriam's husband, Joshua's, or excuse me, Moses's sister's husband. But we don't know that for sure. So at this point, based upon the word of God, we have to just simply say, hers an unknown person. But God does that sometimes. God will use people you know to support you and help you. And sometimes it'll be people that actually no one else knows that will help you do what God
1: wants you to do. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store, or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.